Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that all, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks. In good traditional fashion, we're going to stand to read Psalm 46 together, which is on page 250. And we're going to do it antiphonally, which means by halves. So this side of the room is going to start with the first half of the verse. And that side of the room is going to respond with the second half of the verse after the colon. Since there's more on this side, I'm going to go and stand on this side. <laughs> God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So we will not be afraid, though the earth should quake, and mountains fall into the depths of the sea. Though the waters of the sea rage and foam, and the mountains tremble at the tumult, there is a river, its streams make glad the city of God, which the Most High has made a holy dwelling. God is within her, she cannot be shaken. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in tumult, kingdoms are shaken. But God has spoken, and the earth melts away. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come and see what the Lord has done. The devastation brought upon the earth. The Lord makes wars to cease in all the world. The Lord breaks the bow and snaps the spear, and burns the shields in the fire. Be still here, and know that I am High over the nations, high above the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it is now, and shall be forever. Amen. Gospel reading is from page 969. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 35. Praise and glory to God. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise, Praise to Christ the Lord. 
Lord, give us open hearts. Move among us by your spirit as Mel shares with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tim, for releasing the clicker as well. That's always a hard kind of spousal moment of like passing the clicker. It's a bit like the remote, isn't it? I never get the remote at home, I'll put it. Oh, it's so exciting to be with you this morning. It doesn't happen often that I get up um, to be uh, able to um, preach and to share with you. So, um, yeah, it's a, a real blessing to me. And unfortunately, Tim has given me a topic, I realised, as the 9 o'clock um, uh, service began this morning and then rolled to quite long time. That it's like he picked my area of... Um, you know, super super excitement. So I'm gonna um really try and keep a lid on it um today. So so just do some moments if you're like, oh Mal, come on. Um now which direction are we today? This way. If we invite God with attention, opening our inner spaces with silence, he will speak to our souls. Not with words or concepts, but in the mysterious way that love expresses itself. By presence. So today um, in our series on prayer, we're looking at this bedrock practice of Jesus that he took in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed. We get that a lot through the Gospels. So what I was most keen was to just make a few comments and give you some time to do this. And we've also got Kate who will share um, just a little um, snippet of her experience with this. Um, that's something we wanted to do in this prayer series was to hear the experiences of some of you. Um, I'm going to see, again, if I can keep the lid on it, there'll be time for that. So, um, yeah. Without solitude... It is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We, we do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him, says Henri Nguyen, who probably many of you have kind of connected with at some point. Um, and I think there's a way you can hear this where it's like this. I've seen t- um, Tim sometimes get excited and wave his, you know, the, the, the index finger. Um, and you can hear it like that. You really can hear this if we do not take this seriously. But I really want to let you know that um, this message today is a guilt-free zone. Guilt-free, you're like, whew. Um, that we do not need to hold this posture of fear and guilt about um, meeting in God's presence. Like, and these words are true. And, but there's a sense that we can feel a bit bumped and jostled by um, exterior... Uh, expectations of uh, of what we should be, but I've come to um, come to explore and understand that the the starting place of a deep kind of communing with God does not begin with the should and the have tos. Instead, it begins by being able to trace within our interior our desire for God. What is my yearning? What is my hunger to be in God's presence today? to know God. We just do really well to put down our guilt and start here. And if all we did today is to say to God um, with open hearts how much we 
desire his presence in our lives and just sit with that. Actually, that would probably be enough. I could probably sit down now. <laughs> we could have an early trip away. Um, yeah, I'll say a little bit more. But, um, God, we welcome you. Yeah, we say, here I am. And we might take time to say, this is the shape, the contours of my desire for you at the moment. So if we are following in the footsteps of Jesus, we take this idea seriously, full of grace, that we will cultivate times when we welcome God's loving, unhurried, redemptive presence with us. This is the kind of listening and waiting, um, contemplative type of prayer. Um, We were just receiving what God has for us. Um, Not the, uh, of which all of these are are important for us as um, his disciples. The kind of lists and intercession for others. Um, And I think we looked at that last week with Richard um, Diebel, if I have that correct. Um, But today we're just looking at this being with God time. doesn't have to be much more complicated than that. I've um, just had this incredibly rich time over the last couple of years where I've been going through the process of training to be something that's called a spiritual director, which um, is a lot I could say about that, but it's... um, it's effectively learning to companion people on the, their faith, um, their faith journey, trajectory, and to listen every month to um, usually get together once a month for an hour and just hear what, what God is saying and how this person is responding to that. Um, so, so it's a two-year, it's quite a rigorous process, uh, and they've um, sort of squeezed me in all different ways. Um, but maybe you can identify with me when I say... Um, I, at the start of that time, craved God's presence. I still crave God's presence. Um, And through that couple of years, I just felt incredibly um, overwhelmed, like a rich feast of these very, very uh, wise, practiced, um, older women, um, sometimes um, younger men, who have been companioning others. And I've just, they've just passed on these little um, uh, sort of treasures which I picked up in our readings today. So I'll just try and really quickly touch on a couple of those. The first one is that rest might be needed as we kind of enter into God's presence. The first thing um, we see when we read our gospel reading for today is that when Jesus made his dedica- sort of dedicated space to talk to his father, he had slept. Um, but like, you, hopefully, you now, like everyone's looking relatively uh, like sort of fresh-faced. So um, yeah, he was fresh. We kind of um, may desire, like notice the stirring to um, be with God, but there are often times in and I'm, I don't know all of your lives, and welcome if you're kind of newer in our midst and I haven't connected with you much, but for some of those I know well, you are a busy people uh, as a group of people. Not even that, you are f- just phenomenal in how much you carry and stagger around with. Um, and I, if you are like me, you end up dog-tired in body, mind, and spirit. And you might already in February <laughs> be dog-tired in body, mind, and spirit. Um, and entering into times of solitude and silence when we're that tired, 
do bring their own kind of rest. That's really good. To, like it's a good thing to do, especially at the end of the day. That's slowing down, um, just resting in Him. And for some of us, um, in our just how much we've got on this, sometimes ends up the only space we do that in, though. But there is a sense that, like Jesus, to grow in intimacy with God, we do well to give God the best of our energy and attention. Sometimes if we have time to retreat and be alone with God, um, the first part of uh, that time can just be like complete uh, rest and recoup. Um, I reckon I've really appreciated this book, um, Invitation to Solitude and Silence, which is sort of doing, Ruth Haley Barton, who's the author, is sort of doing the rounds in Christian, uh, Christian land as a kind of writer that people are quite appreciating it at the moment. I found this book excellent if you want to spend some more time reflecting on these practices of um, being still and silent. And her, she said that often in her retreat times, um, she was a minister, full-time minister and she said she would work so hard to get on retreat and then she would have all these things like I've got to do this and this and this strategic direction of and she'd get there and the first like she'd have a weekend and she said the first she'd fly fly or travel somewhere and go to this like beautiful place and then she would just like sort of go to sleep for the first basically day and just sleep and sleep and she had a sense that uh, once she did that her mental uh, interior space was ready to meet with God, but not before. And I think I think it's so true. Is that um, God is okay if we need to rest? Um, yeah, just meet Him in the rest, uh, rather than having to crunch more and more things. So, point one: rest might be needed. Now, there's a lot I could say about this one, but I'm just going to touch on it really quickly. That there, what are we being invited to? There's the three S's, as my very wise uh, kind of coaches in this spiritual um, yeah, journey have told me. Uh, there's silence, solitude, and stillness. And um, we can, they are not the same as each other. Um, that you may not have all three at the same time. That you might have a, a sense of solitude, being without other people, but be moving. You're not still. Like for me, yesterday, I shot off for a run. Um, thank you very much, Tim. At um, 5.30, not the best time, but um, yeah, thank you again, Tim. Um, and I always find myself drifting into Highbury, into the tracks, just to be in total solitude. Um, I'm moving, there's no, there's no stillness. Um, and sometimes there's a, a silence that you can have, an interior kind of silence when the kids uh, are going ballistic, when the workmates are around, that you can enter into those places. Um, but it is good to make times for all three to be still, to be uh, by yourself and to have a kind of point at which your vo- those interior voices go quite, or the, all the words quiet down and we're still enough to hear what God might be um, inviting us into. I'm just going to literally whip through this because I think it's a bit long. But, um, so there's a sense that silence especially speaks to us where um, our temptation is to rest in, I know what I, um, that I am what I know when you're a real head person. Silence kind of frees us from these noise of our own thoughts and striving and then so we can hear a truer and more reliable voice. That's you. Silence might be the one to really try and let that um, settle down and to have um, a, 
a, a place of silence within yourself. Uh, I am what others say I am. I am what they think. So if that's you, solitude is your friend. Uh, yeah, go and meet God in places where people are not. Um, and if <coughs> this is definitely mine, I am what I do or can achieve. That stillness, oh man, it, I, if you're like me, I just find stillness so difficult to do, to actually like, so when I go and meet God, I run, like, let's fit in a run at the same time. <laughs> My prescription for me has been, um, let's just be really still, and it does something, it kind of, it, it crashes into you. Um, I'm going to get, I, I'll get you to just think about that. What's my one? We won't take time to talk about it right now. So, as we enter into times in, of solitude and silence and stillness, why does this matter? What is the dynamic of relating to God that happens in these times? Well, the brilliant and terrifying thing that happens when we are alone with God is that we are faced with the reality that God is the source of all life and we get to understand who we are in relation to God. Things get put into a proper life-giving perspective. Carlo Carreto says that God comes like the sun in the morning when it is time. We must assume an attitude of waiting. Hear the must guilt-free. We must assume an attitude of waiting Accepting the fact that we are the creatures and not the creator. We must do this because it's not our right to do anything else. The initiative is God's, not ours. We are able to initiate nothing. We are only able to accept. When we turn our face towards God at these times, when we look at God in his very nature, we become more and more transfixed on who God is but we also become more and more aware of ourselves. I don't know if you've had that experience when you've actually kind of let all this, the, the, um, the swirling, sometimes they talk about a swirling in the jar, and as it kind of, the sediment settles, it goes really clear, and you kind of see clearly how things are. As we look at the one who is, as we look at God who is peace, we just become quite aware I do, of a great striving, a kind of questioning, a restlessness. I notice so many things and possibilities and people, and yet in that moment we are met with love. And when we meet God like this, we are stopped in our tracks. And it dawns upon us, it dawns upon me again and again and again that God is God and I am not. I am not the one in control. Direct from New Wine, I say, hallelujah for that. We are not in control. Oh, but there's a fear at the same time. Hallelujah, God has got this. I look around here because this is kind of where I live in this little microcosm. He's got all this, but it is so hard to let go of my grip. And in this encounter, we are met by the invitation of the Lord in Psalm 46 to all of creation to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Now, I suspect there's people in the room who have actually done Hebrew study, and I'd love to talk to you at some point, but um, apparently in the Hebrew, 
and Psalm 46.10. Um, be still and know. Is that you, Rain? Have you done Hebrew? For, um, <laughs> nope. Um, Rain lives with us now, so I should have actually talked to her about this beforehand. But, um, so be still and know is a coordinated imperative. So therefore, it is be still in order to know. Like, you can't have one without the other. Be still and know in order to know that I am God. And it sits as a conclusion to this psalm, which is one where the, this word keeps rolling through. Of, it's great tumult among the nations. There's fighting among the nations. And God's command to be still translates from the stem, um, this word up here, um, harapu, I've heard it said on, on YouTube, I think. Um, it, it trans, be still translates from the verb stem, which is rafa. So, and this means, be still means, let go, release our grip, hang limp, cease striving. Let go, release your grip, hang limp, cease striving. We release, or perhaps put even better, God helps us release our tight grip on agency so that we might intimately know him, to be open our hands to, to, to hold his will, to trust him and to know that his purposes for us are wonderful. It really is the ultimate S word. It's kind of, um, we've got solitude, stillness and silence and be- beneath those practices is this other word, surrender. Um, we surrender ourselves and let go, relaxing into God's presence. And what happens when we relax this grip? And to be honest, I've found like the, the grip relax is often like, just like, that's all you can do, a little bit of relax. Sometimes it's like this and you go a little bit more. Um, when we relax our grip, when we are still, we receive his gift, his life for us as a gift through the Holy Spirit. As we make time to be with God, to relax and trust him with what's on our mind and just talk to him about this, to hold it out before him, to let go the best we can, we are given his gifts of grace. And these are great gifts for us, for our family, and for the world. Um, yeah, I think as we saw in the um, Mark passage that Jesus has had his time of stillness, the disciples interrupt him and he's like, I'm good to go now. Like, these are gifts for the world. Um, sometimes it's peace. Sometimes it's him opening up a sense in our lives of all being well, despite what is going on. Sometimes he puts his finger really gently on things in us where we need to be made whole, where we have brokenness, where we are beginning to turn away from his way to a way of sin. Sometimes in these places, we just notice all the beauty around us. We experience love. We receive courage to face difficult situations, to bear pain that we have. We might find our shame being soaked away in the bath of his love. Why did Jesus get up early and go to a solitary place? I ask that often early in the morning. because he needed to receive his father's good gifts of love to enable him to live out his kingdom purposes in the day. 
I tell you what, I spent quite a good time pondering this task of letting go during this week on Tuesday at Newtown Jumperama. <laughs> at the nine o'clock, I truly believe I was the only person who has ever been to Jumperama, but are there any other people here? <laughs> okay. Oh, excellent. This is um, going to make a lot more sense now. But, um, now, it came on Tuesday this week, as you recall, the hottest Tuesday afternoon of the week, baking in this building in the middle of Newtown. But Jamie had reminded me that on the 26th of January, they had earned 10 stickers each, and we were going to Newtown Jumperama. <laughs> so we went. Um, and I tell you what, I got there, if you haven't been there, it's like a room quite a lot bigger than this, full of trampolines, and in the corner there is the foam pit. Um, the foam pit actually was nobody else in there because it was stupidly hot, and why would anyone else come on that day? Um, it looked quite fun, and I felt quite joyous about going in there, and it was perhaps only just slightly stinky, which I quite like. It did appeal. So to use my starting point before of desire, step one for me was really locating that I did have a desire to give this wall a crack. But um, man, it was so hard to let go and fall. I had to, I like, because I got to the top, mom. So I ride up to the top and they're like, let go, let go. And I had to in my mind that I would do the trust moment and, and, and just fall back. But it was, I just like, could not let go. Edge down to the bottom level and just start falling in from there. Now, as you get a little bit older, I've discovered, you start worrying about your back. <laughs> and I just watch these kids, like, our kids, like, flying off around me. Ah, oh, to be a child, I reckon there's a whole nother sermon in the way they just go, um, And I needed to learn, trust, that I, where I was going to land, I was going to be held in this crazy foam pit. I didn't quite know what I was landing on. And it struck me, lying, here we go. Oh no, I'll come back to that, I'll come back to that. Um, lying in this crazy bone pit, um, how important it was to deeply comprehend that when we let go in God's presence, we can really trust him, um, or we're not going to let go, you'll be like me clinging on the wall. Um, can we testify, can each of us testify that he is good? Do we believe it? Do we know it? Scripture, it seems to me, is like this multi-track stereophonic testimony of God's people throughout history that they have discovered that his nature is good. He's actually good and he's worthy of our trust. So even knowing that this foam pit was a good place to be, even knowing that the foam pit was actually, as I discovered, a soft crash pad of joy, have you, has anyone else been in this particular foam pit? Gosh, I'm, I'm so glad. So, uh, man, it was still hard to let go. As we are invited to let go in God's presence, every wise spiritual teacher, and um, particularly these spiritual direction uh, trainers, who pilgrims who really took me on this journey, said, as we try to let go, we will run up against a kind of resistance in ourselves. If we can say amen to God, at a conscious level, this guy Gerald May, um, Gerard May, who's uh, yeah, a very wise teacher in this area, says that his research has showed him that at a very deep level, 
um, there will be a part of us that does not want to die to ourselves, that does not want to give up control. And so it's totally normal as we hand over the sort of proverbial keys to the Lord, to the cow, um, we get these deep stirrings of, at a quite often subtle level of, uh -uh. our soul will always want to climb back into the driving seat. The fears kick in. Even quite strong feelings of loss or fears of loss as we try to let go with God. Can God, can I really let you see me as I am? Will you really bring me into your gifts of life if I let go of this thing, this relationship, this issue, this situation I'm facing and entrust it to you? Can I actually rest? And this is my personal one. If I let go, God, are you going to show me more hard things about myself or life that I do not want to deal with right now? Or is it better to just live with this anxiety I have about this situation rather than face the complete unknown of giving it to you? This is the work. This is the, this is the fodder of silence and solitude. It's a continual process of very slowly and gently letting go. Being landed in the foam pit of God asks us to let go uh, also of how together we are in front of him. So I really loved, as Tim came up, um, as I looked at Open Tim's PowerPoint, he does it earlier in the week, for letting go. It was so, here it is, so elegant, this woman in, doing this trust game. Um, yeah, it just, it's just that sort of beauty, Marilyn Monroe, graceful. Um, the reality. <laughs> Thank you, Elliot. I felt uh, for that one. Um, yeah, it's kind of incredibly vulnerable because we might not appear quite so awesome, and the double chins, don't they? They get exposed. But as I looked at this, I thought this is the most un-insta-worthy photo <laughs> of all time, and there is no impression management I can do. Um, and there's no impression management I need to do with God. Um, in fact, it's only paralleled by this next photo, <laughs> which is me. Yeah, I don't mean to say any more. But it can feel a bit like this as we go into silence and solitude. It can feel a bit disorienting or unclear about how to get anywhere. Um, when we are in these times of silence and stillness with God, how do we be in this space? The, um, the author of that book I showed before, she, like she was a full-time minister of the gospel. And um, she said, after doing that for many years, she really started to take genuinely a stilling, a silencing herself and listening. And she said, she was quite a sort of go, go, go woman. She said all she could cope with was, she said the prescription from her um, spiritual directors and mentors were 20 minutes to an hour. She said five minutes is all I can do. She felt so exposed. She felt at sea. It felt strange. But over time, she came to see that letting go um, transformed her life. And she, she came to know God's love and goodness more and more. We can start uh, today with talking to God, that first thing I said about our desire for God's presence, our desire to know God's resurrection life in whatever situation we're facing right now. 
it's like Jesus, firstly, just having the intention to be in God's presence and the willingness to give him our attention. And then, it really is, seeing what God brings next. Can we choose today to be still, to cease our own striving, to let go in order that he might receive whatever gift he has for us.